Is there something, anything, that Shane Beamer and his staff can do to get a bit more production out of both sides of the ball? You are Locked On Gamecocks, your daily podcast on the South Carolina Gamecocks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Gamecock Nation, and welcome back to the Locked On Gamecocks Podcast. I'm Andrew Lyon, the host of this podcast, and you can find my written work over on Gamecocks Digest on SI.com. Thank y'all so much, as always, for making the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast your first listen or watch here today. We are free and available both on YouTube and wherever you get your audio podcasts daily. This Monday episode of the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Visit FanDuel.com slash Lockdown to get started. All right. We have discussed South Carolina's week one loss against North Carolina. We talked all about it on the live show that happened right here on the podcast on Sunday afternoon. We are completely flushing everything that took place on Saturday night from our system. We are now moving on to what does Shane Beamer and the staff have to do now? What has to take place to try to make this team better in any way on both sides of the ball in lieu of their Week 2 matchup against Furman. And we're going to start with the offense because Shane Beamer and the offensive coaches, they have to go back to the drawing board in Week 2 in multiple different aspects. Let's start off with the personnel and also maybe the position that some of these guys are playing. I talked about this a little bit on the reaction show to the North Carolina game, but I'll reiterate it again. They are going to have to look at potentially playing some new guys at multiple different spots. And the one that sticks out the most to start off with is the offensive line, particularly the offensive tackle position. I know Oluwatch Sababalade is a true freshman, but if he is ready, if he has been progressing in practice... If the staff feels like that they can put him out there and he's not going to lose confidence, he's not going to be basically like a deer in headlights, then they should give him some reps. I'm not going to sit here and say maybe he has to start the game, but Tree Babalati should at least be put out there in the fray a little bit. Get his feet wet. Also, on the interior, Nick Gargiulo and Ja'Kai Moore. Maybe move both of those guys around to different spots. You could maybe flip-flop the two of them. Put Ja'Kai Moore on the left side and Nick Argula on the right side. Or you could maybe move just Ja'Kai Moore to right tackle. Bump him outside and then figure out whether or not you want to put in maybe a Trey Jones or a Marquis Anderson if he's able to go this week. The one guy on this offensive line unit right now that I would not mess with is Vershawn Lee. The last thing that you need to do with Spencer Rattler, is to give him a new center in Week 2. I feel like, at least in terms of the communication between him and Rashawn Lee, that was one area where this offensive line did not struggle. And sure, 
I know that it is a minuscule thing in the eyes of many. It's something that usually takes place pre-snap without there being any sort of physical contact or any technique or finesse moves that are involved. But it is important. You do not need to mess with that relationship that Spencer Rattler's got going on with Fershawn Lee. So leave him alone, but they should leave the door open in terms of potentially having a different guy at every other spot on this offensive line heading into their Week 2 matchup against Furman. I think that this staff also needs to look at playing every one of the running backs on this roster. Mario Anderson Jr. and Dontavious Braswell, for whatever reason, they did not get a single carry, and I don't think either of them got a single offensive snap against North Carolina this past Saturday night. Unless these guys are just fumbling the ball left and right in practice, these guys should get some snaps this week. They should. You're playing Furman, and they're certainly not going to be a slouch, as I will talk about later. But you got four scholarship running backs. You talked about how you were going to approach this with a running back by committee approach. Then you should do that. Especially before you get to the toughest part of your schedule. I think some receivers should get some more looks. Payne Mangrum and Elijah Caldwell specifically are two guys that I think should get more snaps this week. I talked about it again after the North Carolina game. Omega Blake didn't see him really do a whole lot in that game. And he played a lot of snaps. I think he played about 45-50 snaps according to Pro Football Focus. He got one target the entire game. I know the offensive line was probably a big part of that. But to get just one target in that many snaps... That tells me that he also might not be getting open very much. See what Peyton Mangrum can do. See what the young freshman Elijah Caldwell can do. Use Nick Elksness some more in this offense. Maybe use him in a Nate Atkins role. Keep him in the offensive backfield. If you've got to do that, even if it means you're signaling to the defense, hey, we're getting ready to pass the football, just so y'all know. Who cares? You've got to keep Spencer Rattler upright as much as possible. The motto for this offense at this point ought to just be, just give Spencer a chance. That is it. Give him a chance. If you do, he can make things happen. This receiving core, at least the top end guys, can make things happen. So there should be a lot of options that this coaching staff considers when it comes to who takes the field against the Paladins. Play calling is something else that is going to have to be tweaked a little bit. Now, I've seen some people say that they thought that Dow Loggins' play calling stunk against North Carolina. I, quite frankly, don't know what game you're watching, if that is your actual opinion. I don't think his play calling was bad at all. I thought he did a great job varying up formations. And also, quite frankly, what do you want the man to do when he has no running game and his quarterback could not be protected for more than two and a half seconds for like two-thirds of that football game? What else do you want the man to call? I really would like to know. Anyways, play calling should not be completely overhauled because of this offensive line. You're going to have to tweak your play calling, or at least some of the plays that you call in this playbook. No question about that. But you cannot change everything. That would be to the detriment of your quarterback. And that's the last thing you want to do if you're Dow Loggins. There's going to have to be a stronger emphasis on the quick passing game. Gamecock fans are going to hate hearing that. Because I know the first thing you're all thinking about is 
all the swing passes that got called last year, all the RPOs that got called that had swing pass options or bubble screen options, whatever the heck you want to call it. So many passes thrown behind the line of scrimmage or at the line of scrimmage. Fans got absolutely sick of it. And I don't blame you for that. But this offense might have to start doing that a little bit more again. Because, again, this offensive line, especially on the edges right now, it looks quite suspect in pass protection. I think there should also be more rollouts called in this offense. I cannot actually recall a single rollout play that was given to Spencer on Saturday night. The great part about rollouts, it moves the pocket horizontally. It takes some of the stress off of the offensive line. The one thing you got to do is make sure that nobody catches Spencer Rattler on the side in which he is running towards. Don't let them basically cut him off from being able to move laterally. And also use tempo when you get a decent amount of positive yardage or a first down. Basically, don't just use tempo just to use tempo. Be selective with it. For the most part, Dow was selective with it against North Carolina, but there were also times where they did kind of use tempo just because. You cannot use it like that. Slow things down when you have to and make things go faster whenever this offense has gotten into a groove. So, again, there's no magic formula to fixing all the issues that were on display this past Saturday night against the North Carolina Tar Heels. But that does not mean that South Carolina has no options at this point. They've got plenty of things that they can try, both in terms of their lineup and also adjusting and tweaking their play calling somewhat. But there's no question about this. They're going to have to make changes one way or another this week because what we saw in week one, if that carries over to, say, maybe this game against Furman, it's going to be a really, really, really bad sign as to how the rest of the season could go for the Gamecocks. Now, I've talked a lot about the offense and what they need to correct at this point, but the defense also did not play its best football on Saturday night. What is it that they have to do? What is it that this coaching staff could try to do this week in order to get more out of that group? I'll touch on that in just a couple moments right here on Locked On Gamecocks. Now time for your Game Changer of the Week brought to you by Athletic Brewing Company. Much like Xavier Leggett, Athletic Brewing has completely changed the non-alcoholic beer game. They make non-alcoholic beers that actually taste good. Xavier Leggett posted two single-game career highs against North Carolina, racking up nine receptions for 178 yards against the Tar Heels secondary. When it comes to Athletic Brewing Company, their brews are great-tasting and award-winning and beat out full-strength beers in global competition. And the best part is, when you have their non-alcoholic brews, you never have hangovers. You can find Athletic Brewing Company's non-alcoholic brews at a store near you or buy online at athleticbrewing.com. First-time customers can use code LOCKEDON to get 15% off your first online order. That's code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N at checkout for 15% off at athleticbrewing.com. Near beer, exclusions and conditions apply. Athletic Brewing Company, fit for all times.
Welcome back to this Monday edition of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, where we cover your team every single day. And as always, thank you to each and every one of you everydayers for sticking around despite what else happened in the past couple of days with South Carolina's football team. It really is very much appreciated. And thank you for making us your first choice for South Carolina Gamecock sports coverage. Now, talking about some of the issues on the defensive side of the ball, in my opinion, the main thing that needs to happen this week, the entire defensive front needs to be challenged in terms of their attitude and their mentality. I was just stunned and quite frankly disappointed at how tough it was for South Carolina's defensive front to get any kind of penetration at the line of scrimmage against North Carolina's offensive line on Saturday night. I talked about it several times last week. This was a unit that gave up 40 sacks in pass protection in 2022. And quite frankly, they weren't all that impressive when it came to the ground game either, at least based on the rushing yard stats that were out there on North Carolina. South Carolina's defensive front was one that I talked about as being a unit or group that I was cautiously optimistic about. I felt really good about this defensive tackle group. I felt good about the linebacker group. And a part of me even felt okay about this edge position group. Not necessarily great, especially in terms of pass rush, and we saw that against the Tar Heels, but... I felt like that was a group that could be serviceable in rush defense. Because as I've said before, rush defense, in my opinion, really doesn't take talent to be good in rush defense. You got to be able to diagnose everything going on in front of you. You got to be able to react to it. And obviously, great athleticism helps, but you also need great fundamental play. Understand how to use leverage. Understand how to use your hands. Understand how to shed blockers. That all encompasses rush defense. And South Carolina, while explosive plays were few and far in between for North Carolina when it came to their ground game, South Carolina still, they did not slow down that ground game enough to give themselves a fighting chance to get off the field in this game. And you can certainly point to coaching, but I have to be honest, the thing about struggles on the defensive front when it comes to especially rush defense, it is a bit more difficult to point to scheme and try to diagnose how scheme might be messing these guys up. But I do know one thing. There is a lot of veterans in this group. You look at Adiba Williams, a guy that is in his fourth year now of college football, his third year at South Carolina at linebacker. You look at Jordan Stride in his seventh year, Tyreek Johnson in his sixth year, Boogie Huntley in his fourth year. Tonka Hemingway in his fourth year. You've got a ton of guys that have played a lot of football in this group. And quite frankly, even the majority of those guys, they might have not played bad, but they did not stand out. No one stood out against North Carolina. And they ought to feel embarrassed about that. And this week, they need to be challenged by this coaching staff. Because at some point, you've just got to flat out want it more. If you want me to correlate to another sport, it's kind of like getting rebounds in basketball. 
Again, rebounding, that's not to say it's all about being more physical and just having more want to. Because there's certainly an art to rebounding, to positioning, to knowing where the ball is going to hit off the rim. But doggone it, you got to put in the effort. You got to be willing to get down on the low block and just get scrappy with somebody. You got to just be willing to get after it. That's got to be a part of it. And sometimes I kind of wonder if that's the case with this defensive front. Because, again, you don't see guys shedding blocks very much on the defensive line. You just see kind of guys standing there, holding their own, maybe not getting blown off the line of scrimmage. But again, at a certain point, hey, that's great. You were able to do that very easily in high school. This is now Power 5 football at the collegiate level. Get off a man and make a play yourselves. Quit having this mentality, seemingly, of the guys in the second level are going to bail you out if you don't get off your man. That's the mentality that every single one of those guys should have. So they need to be challenged in that aspect this week. I talked about it's hard to sort of diagnose how much defensive scheme could be an issue at times when it comes to these kind of situations. And the reason why is when it comes to a defensive scheme or maybe a defensive playbook, it's difficult to just completely tear out sections of your playbook and try to start anew, especially during the season on that side of the ball. You just can't do it. You can't completely alter alignments and formations. You have to call a lot of your plays based mostly on what the opposing offense is doing on certain downs and distances and in certain situations like when they're in the red zone or whether it's third down. The one thing you can really do is you can cut down the playbook. You can take a lot of your plays out of the playbook and try to simplify things in order to let your guys play fast and free. But I really don't know if that's the problem with this group right now. I don't really think it's necessarily a complex scheme. At least from what I can make of Clayton White's defense. So... With the veterans that you have on that side of the ball and up front, I will say right now, I would not get on the secondary. Yes, the secondary also did not have its best moments on Saturday night. They had a few really bad coverage busts, 1,000%. But that is also a group full of a bunch of new starters, admittedly, at certain spots. Keenan Nelson Jr., second-year player, starting at nickel. O'Donnell Fortune, he is now the guy at one of those outside corner spots. He's still adjusting a little bit. Marcel Staub now is kind of the leader. They lost Nick Evan Worry early in the game last week. Had to play true freshman Jalen Kilgore the rest of the way. You don't jump on those guys. You got to build those guys up, at least to start this year. Defensive front, no excuse. No excuse at this point. And again, it's not all on them. The coaches definitely deserve a lot of questions as well. But there does have to be an attitude in that defensive front at this point. The coaches can't want it for you. So with the defense, it's a little bit more challenging to try to pinpoint the exact issues on that side of the ball compared to the offense. But again, much like the offense, they've got some things they've got to fix. And unfortunately, 
Some of those issues are issues that have been prevalent for the past couple years. So could it change everything? Maybe it doesn't. But it's better than nothing. In a couple moments, I'm going to talk about this Furman game and why it scares me, admittedly. Because there's a combination of factors that could come together this week that could make this game a lot harder than we all originally envisioned before this season began. And I'll dive into each of those factors in just a couple of moments. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel. Get ready for the NFL season with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. The Carolina Panthers are getting ready to kick off their 2023 NFL season against the Atlanta Falcons this next Sunday. The spread is currently listed at plus three and a half points on the Panthers' side. Frank Reich and Bryce Shell will be making their Carolina Panther debuts, and P. Sean Robinson will also be making his debut for the Falcons. If you want to bet on that game, well, then now's the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy, and you can bet on everything from spreads to player props and much, much more. So visit FanDuel.com slash on and kick off the NFL season with an offer you don't want to miss. FanDuel is the official betting partner of the NFL. Welcome back to this Monday edition of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, where we cover your South Carolina Gamecocks every single day in just 30 minutes. Shane Beamer talks about a perfect storm taking place on Saturday, and I worry about a combination of factors bringing the team down this week ahead of their matchup against the Furman Paladins. The first factor that I'm going to discuss real quickly is pretty obvious. And it's the letdown after the UNC debacle and the subsequent pressure that you now have on you. The South Carolina Gamecocks, Shane Beamer criticized them this past Tuesday. He criticized his team because he said that they did not get after in practice that day. And they treated the matchup against North Carolina that day like it was essentially going to be a cakewalk and that there was not really any reason to worry. I'm just speaking on how some South Carolina players might be feeling after what all happened in Charlotte. And so now, you got a lot of fans that are very upset about how this game went down for obvious reasons. you got a football team that, quite frankly, just didn't even look like it belonged on the field at times on Saturday. And you've got a lot more pressure on you now because the thing is, this schedule is about to get even more difficult. No question about it. So now you've got a lot more pressure in the sense that you don't have a whole lot of time to get some of these things fixed. You've got to basically get them fixed right now before this really snowballs. So that's the first factor in this perfect storm that could happen in week two. The second factor that we have to discuss is injuries because, boy, this team got banged up against the Tar Heels. Shane Beamer, when he talked to the media during his weekly SEC 
during his weekly teleconference call on Sunday evening, told us that Nick Hemingway is questionable. Juice Wells is questionable. Marky Anderson is questionable. Amari Brown is probable. Kaysen Henry is out. Muhammad Kaba is out. And he mentioned that out of respect for Muhammad Kaba, he would let him announce his diagnosis himself, which typically is uh, not good when a coach has to say that about an injury. Point being, there's some really important players in that group that might not play this week. Juice Wells, Xavier Leggett, he went off against North Carolina. We all agree on that. Juice Wells is still the number one guy at that wide receiver position. He is. Nick Edmondworry, we saw how that secondary looked at times without him being out there. That doesn't mean that his loss was the reason behind some of those coverage busts, but you know that that probably had a bit of an impact on the rest of those guys, mentally speaking. Not having a Muhammad Kappa out there for the linebackers, for the defensive front, they might feel it a little bit. Amari Brown, one of the fastest guys on this team. If he can't go, you lose some speed at the wide receiver position. And again, there weren't a whole lot of guys at wide receiver that helped out outside of him and Xavier Leggett on Saturday. Case and Henry, offensive tackle was already bad enough and now it's thinner. It is not good to have these particular guys down for the count right now. Again, Nick and worried Juice Wells and Marky Anderson are questionable, so they could still play. But if it if the injuries don't go the Gamecocks way this week, that wouldn't be good. And some of y'all are going to sit there and say, Andrew, we can't overthink this. Just sit some of those guys and rest them for Georgia. But with what I'm about to go over in the next minute, you're probably going to change your mind on that because I'm going to tell you right now, you cannot think that way when it comes to Furman this week. And that leads into my final factor. Shane Beamer and this staff, they're going to be all over the team this week in practice and in the film room. And even coming off of a loss like they had this past weekend against North Carolina, Shane Beamer and the staff, they can they can tell them, don't overlook Furman. You can't overlook the Paladins. They're a really good football team. They could tell them all those things until they are blue in the face. But these are 18 to 22 year olds in college. And a lot of them, maybe I shouldn't say a lot of them, but you know some of them, they're going to completely block out everything they say when it comes to not underestimating their opponent this week. It just happens. It happens at every level, especially high school and college. There's going to be guys that are going to be sitting around the locker room probably this week, and they're going to have conversations that are going to revolve around questions such as, I don't even know where Furman is. What the hell even is a paladin? What is a paladin? It's going to happen. The hope that Shane Bieber and the staff have to have is that only a couple players that maybe aren't going to play very much feel that way. Not guys who are going to have to be starting or give you significant amounts of snaps on Saturday. You have to hope that that does not permeate throughout the entire locker room. And Furman is a really good football team. They were preseason ranked number six in the FCS 
leading into this season. They've returned 20 starters. 20 from their team last year. 38 out of the 44 players that were on their two deep last year are back. That is a good football team. South Carolina cannot sleep on them. Y'all know about the Citadel game back in 2015. And I can recall talking to one of my high school teammates that I played football with when that game was coming up. And I mentioned something to the effect of South Carolina's not going to lose to the Citadel. Despite how bad the Gamecocks were, I could not wrap my head around the fact that they could lose to the Citadel that week. And my buddy said, it could absolutely happen. And South Carolina, of course, wound up losing to the Citadel later that weekend. Y'all, if South Carolina's not careful, this could be an absolute dogfight. And Furman could make this a ball game. I'm telling you right now, do not sleep on Furman. South Carolina's got to treat this game with as much importance as they will Georgia. They do. Because if they don't, dare I say they could find themselves 0-2 with all these factors that I just talked about over the past couple of minutes. With that being said, that's going to do it for today's show of the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast. I do hope that y'all thoroughly enjoyed today's show. As always, what are your thoughts on what this offense needs to do? What do you think they need to change up? Do you think that's more personnel related? Or do you think it's more play calling related? On defense, what do you think they need to do there to try to get some more improvements, some more pass rush juice maybe out of that group? And lastly... Are you a bit concerned about the combination of factors regarding maybe the mentality around this game, the injuries, and how good Furman is for their level? Are you worried about all that heading into this weekend? Let me know your thoughts down below in the comments section on YouTube or shoot me a direct message on Twitter at A-Line underscore SC if you listen to today's show on an audio podcast app. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. Have a great rest of your Monday. Happy Labor Day to each and every one of you. And I'll be sure to catch y'all on the next show of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast.